This is the Matt Townsend Show. Tell me that's not a pretty amazing dynamic. Your guide on the side. Just bring the honesty and the integrity to the game. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. On BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning. I'm Leanna Tan. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Fall is here. Love is in the air. Seasons are changing, the leaves are changing, so maybe the winds of your life are changing as well. Maybe it's time for you to make some changes in your life. So today I have an entire episode for you dedicated on dating advice. And I picked an interview that I thought would really benefit you guys. It's not just typical fluffy dating advice, but today we're going to hear from the dating guru, Alyssa Goodwin-Snell. And she is going to tell you what you're doing wrong in dating and why you keep getting rejected. I'm sure it will inspire some light bulb moments. But first, let's introduce today's show with the author of the book, Labor of Love, The Invention of Dating. And she's going to talk a little bit about the historical background of dating and love and how it evolves through the generations. Maura Weigel's her name. She is a Ph.D. student at Yale University um, and in comparative literature and film and media studies and a wonderful author. Maura, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Honored and introduction. Well, this is a great. I think I so I'm a relationship coach, and I love uh, I love helping couples that are married stay married, communicate. But what's interesting, Maura, I loved your approach to this because I've I've always struggled um, talking about the dating side because. I, I don't want to become cynical to it, right? I don't want to look like a dating. These kids don't date anymore. And so li- listening about your book, reading your book, I've, I started to find that there's a there's, there's an interesting history to dating. Teach us. What, dating, it, it's it, – talk about the history. I won't even lead it into what I want yeah, you to say. Yeah, well, talk I about the history. Question, to the question of whether or not dating is dead, I always like to say, you know, the invention of dating is the invention of the death of dating. <laughs> um, adults have – and I count myself among the adults, regretfully, so no name-calling here, but they have always – we have always worried that, uh, that younger people are not doing it right. Uh, so the history of dating, as you were sort of alluding to in your introduction, uh, is about 100 years old. You know, people, it sounds strange now because we all take it for granted that that's the way we do things. But if you think of most times and places in human history, that is not how people have paired off. It's usually been controlled by families or by community leaders like priests or pastors or rabbis. And, uh, and, it's really very, very new and very shocking uh, when young people start to do it around around the turn of the last century in 1900. And my hope for exploring all of it was to bring, you know, some clarity and to sort of dispel some of this huge anxiety that I think you were bringing up. Because yeah. I do think the sense that young people aren't doing it right, nobody ever feels like they're doing it right, and it produces a ton of anxiety for people on the dating market. <laughs> Which is why I guess they seem... Like they're not uh, doing it, but maybe the anxiety makes it so it's something they do quietly. No, I think. Look, I think that what you're getting at is, um, I think what dating is for every generation changes really dramatically sometimes with other changes in the economy. So, you know, one of my favorite details uh, that I learned in my research was that the first women who let men take them out to dinner around 1900. Um, these were working women, women going into the city alone without their families, which was a pretty new historical phenomenon then. 
uh, those women were often arrested for prostitution for letting a man buy them dinner because oh. that was the only, um, you know, that was the only thing that looked that it looked like to right. the, the authorities. Then, even if it wasn't a money for sex transaction, and when it often wasn't, um, you know, but it was. <laughs> Money yeah. for a meal for your romantic consideration. <laughs> it was. Um, <laughs> oh, geez. No, we're just having dinner. That's yeah, horrible. No, I mean, it's really funny. I um, a lot of the the first chapter of the book is about prostitution or sort of semi prostitution in this way that, um, that you know, I think people who go out and you know, again, this this ritual of the date. If you think about it, compared to like the Jane Austen type ritual where a man comes to your house with your parents. This ritual of the date, which traditionally involved a man buying something for a woman, often kind of looks like prostitution. I think we still have some of that anxiety with us, this anxiety about, like, well, what is it for? Who's getting what? Do I owe him something? Like, these kind of thinking, which you still see people having, comes yeah. out of that. But in the early police records I read for my research, you constantly see these women being dragged into jail, dragged into the reformatory, saying to the police, no, I didn't take any money, I just took the meal. Um, Interesting. Which is not to say that they had no material considerations. Often they did, because women were paid quite poorly and were often quite poor. Um, So often it was that they needed a meal. But uh, but I'm not joking about that. They really were arrested. (laughs) And it's interesting, too, I guess. So historically with dating, then, dating was tied to having money. You, You needed money to go out and and have an activity or, you know, you had to have enough money, I, I guess, as dating became more and more okay, less of a potential arrest. Um, it, yeah. was, it, was, it was probably, I guess, the wealthier class that were doing it? Totally. Well, it has a funny history that way because it starts out as a real working class and, like, poor immigrant phenomenon. And that's sort of from 1900 till about World War One, And then uh, then you get these sort of flappers and fussers, these really kind of upper-class college kids imitating it, and it becomes fashionable. So that's, I don't know if people know the book The Great Gatsby or yeah. Side of Paradise. That's like that era of, of dating. And it's really only a bit closer to World War Two that it becomes a sort of middle-class, going steady Norman Rockwell soda counter kind of thing that I think we probably now have in our minds when we think of, you know, quote-unquote traditional, we always mean the 50s in America, Yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, so it definitely goes from being working class to being sort of upper class first. And it's still, you know, it was always expensive. It's still expensive. Oh, yeah. Um, in time as well as money. I mean, if you think of the amount of time people spend tending to their, okay, Cupid profiles or their... I mean, I guess the Tinder profile takes less time, but Hinge or you know, many of these apps demand quite a lot of time before you even get to buying anyone a drink or a dinner. That's true. Yeah. And it's, yeah, you've got to get through, you know, 20 text messages eventually to a call from the call to a place to meet. I mean, it, it could take weeks. Totally. Yeah. And it's so, um, you know, it's like many things in this country, I think it's increasingly divided along class lines. It's very different for people with more or less money. But for people, you know, in lower income brackets who are often working multiple jobs, like that's a lot of time. That's not a, a negligible barrier. Uh, so anyway, so it's still it still costs time and money to date. You if we don't necessarily think about it that way. Right. One of my favorite things that you talk about, um, because just some of the parallels are the parallels between dating and working. And kind of, yeah. you know, kind of a consumer, like a, a business kind of model. Even the terms mm-hmm. we use around dating and working parallel so closely. 
Totally. Um, I always, I used to have, I don't have it memorized anymore, but one very long sentence that uses all the market metaphors we use for dating. <laughs> so, you know, it's things like on the market, off the market, damaged goods is not a nice thing to say, but it's a thing people say, um, hard to get, friends with benefits, investing time in a relationship. I mean, all of these are thinking about courtship is just permeated by these economic metaphors. And that was part of what got me interested in writing the book, really. And very early on, I realized it was kind of a history of the economy, and especially of women in the workforce, which, again, you know, um, I call it labor of love partly for that reason. Uh, people only start dating as opposed to having their parents fix them up or their community fix them up once you get women in the workplace with the freedom and the obligation, you might say, yeah, yeah. Uh, to find partners. So. So yeah, absolutely. From its very beginning, it changes with the economy in all sorts of ways. It has to do with that original invention being about women in the workforce. It has to do with, um, you know, very practical things like, you know, there weren't movie theaters and then there were. That was a thing to go to on a date then. Uh, or, you know, working hours, which have gotten so much longer since the 40-hour week of the mid-century. I mean, Americans work much longer yeah. and much more regular hours now. So I joke that you know, used to say, a man would say, I'll pick you up at six. And that's when I you up. Right. It's like, who knows? Yeah. I mean, that looks like a decline of chivalry, and maybe it is, but it is also a practical expression of the fact that nobody's done with work at five anymore. Right. <laughs> or well, most people aren't. Yeah. Um, and you could and be, you could actually be working and dating. I mean, you could, being at work together, hanging out and talking could feel like, you know, the same connection of dating. Absolutely. And I, what I thought you were going to say is being out on a date, if you have your cell phone, you can also be taking work emails. Oh, that's true. <laughs> See? Yeah, which totally. adjusted the date, right? Oh, totally wow. a blend. Um, and then I do the last way I think that they shape each other, which is the hardest to measure, but in a way, to me, the most powerful is I do think all these concepts about, you know, how should a person be to be valuable or competitive in the economy – I think do shift over to dating. Uh, you know, I've taught at Yale. I teach at Yale undergrads as part of my PhD. And I always think it's sort of funny that, you know, everything we tell them about the job market is like, you have to be flexible. You have to be adaptable. Never expect anything to last a long time. Like you can't put all your eggs in one basket that way. <laughs> and then people look at the hookup culture you know, this idea of sort of casual relationships and say, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, it's the exact same logic, you know, Tinder is an Uber for dating. These are just dating on demand apps. Yeah. To me, I think in a way the hardest to measure concretely, but the most interesting is the way these these sort of abstract concepts about how we should be and how we can value other people uh, then sort of trickle into the dating the dating sphere. Mm. Like, yeah, just, that's such an interesting idea that our, the, yeah, how I set you up to be, you know, a healthy employee and a, a marketable employee is the same paradigm I'm using to teach my daughter to what to date. Right. Well, I think it's. I think probably you know uh, unconsciously. I think I don't know anything about you and your daughter, but most dads don't want their daughters to be active right. hookups. Right. No. <laughs> no. Right. But I think those values do cross over, and they make a lot of sense. And in the case of the apps, I mean, these are literally the same tools. I mean, LinkedIn. And okay, Cupid, you know, a job website and a dating site are actually extremely similar in terms of their structure, their protocols, their layout, 
what they solicit you to do all the time. You know, LinkedIn is like, add this to your resume. And OkCupid is like, add another book that you like, and then you'll find the person of your dreams. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, wow. There are a lot of similarities. Yeah, no, exactly. Between those platforms. That's interesting. Um, uh, we're speaking with Maura Weigel, author of the book Labor of Love, The Invention of Dating. Maura, let's take a break, come back, and uh, continue the discussion. I want to find out if love has changed. Um, are we sure. redefining it? And, and also, um, you know, how, do, how does dating follow as women um, have taken their place uh, in, in society as an equal. Um, I think it's got powerful insight as well. Stick with us. More with Maura Weigel and uh, the dating game, folks. Not the game, the history, but uh, it's still a game. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Leanna Tan. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We just heard Moira Weigel talking about the similarities and differences of love and dating throughout the ages. So we know that dating looks a little bit different in modern days. We have some dating apps and websites and maybe some different expectations. But what does dating culture and flirting look like today? Are there some tips for attracting a significant other and some social expectations that withstand the test of time? This is a fascinating interview with Alyssa Goodwin-Snell, who talks with Matt about why people get rejected during dating or what things they're doing wrong that kill a relationship. In his first segment, she gives us a few warning signs to look for when you first start getting to know someone and tells us a few things men do that creep women out. Alyssa, are you with us? Yes. Thanks for having me on, Matt. You bet. Thanks for coming on again. Now, Madison's with us here. So you heard the story about her kind of bad dating experience. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of ugly. <laughs> it's hard. And I, mean... <laughs> and I have to say, as a woman, I have been in those situations where, you know, the older guys will kind of hit on you. And it's flattering when you're younger, um, and it's a little awkward and uncomfortable, and you're really sweet, and you're really nice. And then you get older, and... Those guys who are older are on the same intellectual level as you now. You're, you know, you've kind of had that life experience. And you look at those guys who are asking the younger girls out, and you're like, whoa, those guys are really kind of messed up. There's something not too normal about them. <laughs> Why is and you don't doing see it that? when you're younger because you don't have the life experience. But when you're their peer and on the same level with them and they keep going with the younger girls, it really becomes obvious how there's something really wrong with them emotionally and in their emotional maturity that they keep going with these younger girls. Yeah. So that's really creepy, Madison. I'm so (laughs) sorry. I'm sure you're a beautiful woman and I'm sure that you maybe don't look 18, Uh -uh. but a 35 year old trying to date an 18 year old, even if you were 20, even if you were 20, I mean, you just don't have the same life experience and guys can be, Guys who tend to go with that kind of an age gap, I don't care if someone's 55 dating a 40-year-old, I'm totally not worried about that. But when you have a 35-year-old and all that, those years of experience and manipulations that they, you know, they just have so much more experience to manipulate from. 
and then they're trying to pick up an 18 year old 20 year old it's like oh my gosh no i so you didn't even need to be nice to say no to him but that was very kind of you saying she's no a, nice a nice girl no, i agree i think well most people say that i look 25 mm-hmm. so that's what i kind of think that he thought i was around but obviously i wasn't going to like let it yeah happen well see that i mean on it because it could have just been so flattering and he was successful and but yeah you're smart well and so much of what i do is focused on helping people to identify the early warning signs of the abusive and manipulative and um you know i've just i've been a marriage and family therapist for so many years and i've seen these terrible relationships and um er recognizing the early warning signs is just so critical and you what know, so what are some of those? I mean, Alyssa, what should people, what are the warning signs people should be looking out for there? Well, the thing is, nobody usually, very rarely does somebody get hit on a first date. Very rarely does somebody... I've never know, been hit terrible... on, Alyssa. <laughs> Alyssa, I've never been hit on, ever. You've never been hit mm-hmm. on a first date, and that's good. I've never, <laughs> no, I don't, yeah, no. You know, it's, it's the subtle little things that people do in a first few dates that um, indicate whether or not they have the warning signs. So the basic warning signs are that they lack empathy, they lack self-control, and they lack personal responsibility. It takes a little time to identify um, how people would lack empathy, self-control, and personal responsibility. Um, In a first few dates, it's much more subtle, and so you really need to kind of um, learn what those warning signs would look like. I have several books that focus on helping people to identify the early warning signs and what it looks like in those early, early stages from, you know, just saying that you're not available tonight and they keep pressuring you to see them that night. (laughs) I want to be back at, you know, 10 o'clock and they don't get you back on time and they try to rationalize and justify keeping you up. And there's all sorts of little subtle signs that show that they would lack empathy, self-control. Like taking them to a movie theater an hour away, for example. Exactly, especially when they passed four or five on the way. Yeah, you know? or if they or, put a bag over your head right then, yeah, dead giveaway. <laughs> dead giveaway. You got to get out <laughs> of the car. Handcuffed, just get out. Yeah. So you know, um, but those warning signs are are just so critical. And one of the warning signs is that they look for people who they can dominate or control. They, they test boundaries. I know that's not what we're talking about yeah. today in terms of warning signs, but. One thing that does contribute, and one of the warnings, one of the reasons why men do get rejected, um, is because they creep women out. Let me kind of cover that one. Yeah, talk because... about the creeper because there's a fine line between "Hey, I'm just really into you" and "Hey, you're creepy." Right, right, and sometimes the guys are not really creepy. You know what I mean? In in truth, they do yeah. have empathy, self control, and personal responsibility. So I teach that it's not you; it's your technique. My website is similarly named. It's, it's your, your technique. technique. It's your technique.com. So I teach that, and anyone can learn a new technique, but you need to know what your body language is saying, and you need to know how your body language can be sending the wrong message. So when a guy approaches a woman, depending on how close he gets to her and how much he leans his body physically closer, closer to her, the more she's going to feel creeped out. It's really important that a guy looks strong and confident, and that means he needs to be in more of a leaned-back, cool, casual posture. When you're too leaned in, you look too intense. You can look like you're too into her. You can look like you're trying too hard. You can, because of your physical presence, you being, you know, most men are bigger than women, you can look more intimidating because you're leaning in. Um, and all of those things can make you look creepy and or unauthentic. So guys who come on as too nice, which is another reason why men get rejected. So one is that they look too intense or too creepy. Another is that they seem too nice or too into her. 
Um, one of the reasons for that is because he's not looking strong and confident. So being leaned in, you know, he's this really nice guy, and he's leaned in, and he's being a little bit too accommodating or too complimentary. It creeps women out, and it makes them uncomfortable because it seems not as authentic. It's not natural, it seems is like it? he's trying too hard. Yeah, and it really comes down to just technique, just lean back on a backward leg, give a little space between you and her. A woman cannot show you she's interested in you if she can't lean in. And if you're already leaned in, there's no room for her to lean in in a comfortable way. By you leaning back, then you give her space to lean in and get a little closer to you. By the way, Elisa, I think that's that's fascinating because our our, – Technical director, board operator, Skyler here, he's always leaning in. So how should I read that? Uh, he likes you a lot. <laughs> he's always leaning it's, it's in. It's a go. It's a go. You're, you're it's a go, man. He likes number. me in the show. He does. It's interesting. But that leaning in is huge because like what my wife always says, how she detects the creeper, is he's just what he's looking at. So the oh, creeper yeah. is like when you catch his eyes looking at stuff he shouldn't be looking at. Exactly. Creepy. Exactly. Very creepy. That's true at and the so mall, too, secret. by the way. I'm sorry, say that's, that again? That's totally true at the mall. Even if you don't know the people, the creepy <laughs> people are the ones that are guy, looking in the wrong place. Right. You're watching a guy who's with a woman, and a woman walks by, and he's totally yep. checking her oh, out. Oh, so yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, he's got a creeper written right on his forehead. So. That's right. What Couple are some things. more things? What else causes well, rejection that well, maybe the guys aren't fine. aware of? Right. One of the signs that you need to be aware of is no woman ever leans forward, or sorry, no woman ever, yeah, no woman ever leans forward when she's uncomfortable. So you really, that's a big sign. If she's leaning in, she's probably a little bit more interested in you. If she's bridging the gap, if she's getting closer to you, she's probably comfortable with you. And so guys who don't pick up on that, guys who she's turning her body language away from you, she's leaning back, she's got her arms folded. Yeah, those are the ones um, I knew. Yeah, she's she's using one word um, answers to your questions. That's a sign she's not interested in you. And and when you keep her approaching her and you ask for her number, you are more likely to get rejected. And so you know you, you need to be paying attention to those body language markers. That's good. Other reasons why men get rejected is because they don't display confidence. So you know they approach the woman, they slouch their shoulders, they let that ball that belly. You know, protrude a little bit instead of straightening the. Suck it the back in, and, suck it in. Yeah, suck it in. You know, they they use comments about themselves that don't show a lot of confidence. Yeah. They just they come off as weak, and um, you know, women do like nice guys. We definitely like nice guys. We just need to see strength and confidence in the nice guys we like, and if we don't see strength and confidence we start to become less romantically attracted to them. Yeah, that's a week. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's not that you have to um, feel confident all the time. You just need to act confident. And the benefit of that, too, is when I act confident, I often feel more confident. It comes with it. Mm. And as a woman, you know, our emotions fluctuate. And if I wait till I feel confident to act confident, I won't act confident very often. Right. But if I just know how to act confident... And I play my part, I'll end up feeling more confident. I'll make a better impression. Love it. And so, you know, you need to stop any self-depreciating comments, you know, anything that makes you sound like you're putting yourself down. Um, those just really turn a woman off. Yeah. Another reason why we get turned off or we reject men is because um, they reveal too much too soon. <laughs> I've, it's been amazing to me how much people will reveal when they don't know you. Yeah. And I'll be speaking at a singles event and a guy will come up and, He's talking to me and he's telling me, and this has happened on multiple occasions, 
where he says, you know, I'm divorced, and, you know, my ex-wife tried to get a protective order against me, and she's just totally crazy, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, you're at a singles event, and if you're telling me this, yeah. what are you telling the women at the singles I'm event? I'm growing an ear totally on my arm. I mean, did you hear about our story where the person's growing an ear on their arm? I mean, anyway, yeah, it's just too much. You don't want to reveal, especially the stuff that's not appealing. And yeah, there's a time and place. Yeah. I give the best of me to those who invest in me. That's and those ooh, personal that. details, those personal details are things that are both personal and private to me, but also something that someone will only value and appreciate after they've got to know you and they see that there's more to you than just your issues. And then hey. when you reveal your issues... They see, oh, you know, there's all these other great qualities that come with him, and he just trusted me with this information instead of burdening me with this information. Love it. Um, we got to take a break. Uh, but when we come back from the break, Elisa, uh, give us more techniques, more tools, more reasons why men get rejected. And then um, I'd love, I think we'd love to have some advice for uh, Madison here for how, you know, what she could have done. Okay, perfect. You know what I mean? So we'll take a break. Elisa Snell is with us. And Elisa, they can find you again at your tech. What is it? It's your technique.com. It's your technique.com. It's your technique.com. Awesome. We'll be back on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Show. We're listening to Alyssa Goodwin Snell talk about dating advice. All the stuff she said so far I found to be true when I was dating, and I think it's great advice. To recap a few things she talked about, she said some warning signs to be aware of when you first start getting to know someone are lack of empathy, self-control, or personal responsibility. She also said some ways that men creep out women are when their body language comes off too strongly, like when they lean in too much and don't let the woman lean into them. She also said that women like nice, kind men, but it has to be mixed in with a dose of strength and confidence. So in this next bit, she's going to give us a few turnoffs and don'ts when dating and also tell us specifically what we can do to comfortably reject a date. Okay, Elisa, give us some more rules on why men get rejected. And then um, we're going to have uh, Madison here. You're going to give Madison some advice. On how to handle rejection. Mm-hmm. How to, how and to... then I want to flip it and I want to get to the female side. So why men back right. off. Right. Let me review really quickly four reasons why I've already outlined. One is they seem too nice or too into her, Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, they look like a pushover or untrustworthy. Two, they seem too intense or creepy, Mm -hmm. and the reason for that is it's their body language and their comments. And like you said, too, where are their eyes going? Right. Um, They lack confidence, and again, this is their body language and their comments. You know, what do they say about themselves? How do they hold their posture? They lack confidence. The fourth is they reveal too much too soon, whether it's sharing their issues or acting negative. You know, people who say negative things about other people or dating or relationships are going to turn people off. The fifth reason is that they talk about themselves too much. Um, When we go back to the early warning signs of those who are abusive and manipulative, they lack empathy, they lack self-control, and they lack personal responsibility. When someone can't tell that they're boring you, 
that the things they're talking about are just really centered on them when they don't ask questions about the other person, when they don't show interest in the things that other people talk about or their, the other person's interest. That's one of those warning signs of somebody who lacks empathy. And because women are, you know, very social by nature, they pick up on, you know, they have, women have a lot more social expectations yeah. because out of the men that they date because we have those social skills. And so when men don't have those social skills, we really see it as, ooh, something's wrong with him. Mm. And if nothing else, it's boring. You know, somebody who talks incessantly about themselves and doesn't show a lot of interest in, in me. Yeah, why I'm would not we only do bored, that? I'm losing interest. You know, everything I teach is to help the other person make the other person feel great. So I, I teach skills and I talk about the 17 secrets to the male and female psychology to help singles know how to make the opposite sex feel great. If they go to my website, itsyourtechnique.com, and sign up for my email updates, they'll get a copy of The 17 Secrets. So um, that's also available to them. But again, talking about themselves too much is a huge kind of red flag. It's a turnoff, and it just bores people to death. You need to be careful of that. Well, and it just seems like people like to talk about themselves. So the easiest thing you can do is just ask a few questions about them. Right. And, but it needs to be oh, go ahead. it needs to be like a volleyball game. Yeah. You know, the ball is bounced back and forth and it's fun that way. And when one person's hogging the ball, you know, and they're playing by themselves, it's boring and the other person loses interest and wanna walk, wants to walk away. You have to share things about yourself. And there are singles unfortunately that are so tight lipped and they say so little that the other person's bored for those reasons Love too. It, no, it needs right. to be a good a good amount of exchange between both of you. And as long as you're touching bases and saying, well, tell me about this. Oh, you're so sweet to have listened to me. I want to know more about you. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you're doing both and you're doing equal amounts of listening and equal amounts of sharing, the interesting conversation. So that's an indicator that, you know, it's working. What, uh, what would you have said or what do you say to Madison? She's sitting right here. Just take, she's taking notes, copious notes. And um, <laughs> what would you say? I mean, what should she have said? Because, you know, maybe he was showing some of these signs. Maybe he wasn't. But what, what would, advice would you give her? Well, I always have um, women say the exact same sentence. So write this down. This is and money. Use it in every single situation. And the I know what it is. I know what it is. Let me guess. What is it? It's not you. It's me. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, okay. That's a good All right. That's I was thinking because that's a great okay. line. Okay. <laughs> no, go ahead, Elisa. What is it? Okay. So what I teach is when rejecting a man, I want to make a man feel great as well. I want to, you know, make this as comfortable as possible. Um, you know, rejection is always going to hurt a little bit, but but I can do it in a way that I can like myself and feel good about what I'm doing and still feel like he reasonably will feel good as well. So it's about your tone of voice. This is the sentence you use. You know, and what was the name you were using for this guy? John. 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 John, thank you so much for asking. I, you know, I'm, I'm very flattered. I just don't feel that kind of connection with you, though. But thank you so much. It was a pleasure to meet you. That's good. I I, I really that. am writing this down. Okay, uh, yeah. I'll help you. So, um, I don't. I didn't feel that kind of connection with you in someone of your age bracket. <laughs> you creeped me out really bad. <laughs> You're a little creepy. You little creeper. Creep away. Yeah. So, but but that's the technique. Is you know, thank you so much, John, for asking. I'm flattered. I just don't feel that kind of connection. But thank you so much. And see, it was that a is so. That's such a good line. Because really, good. honestly, to the point, you are flattered, which says, you know, I still got it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. He's someone to, to flatter women. Yeah. It is flattering that he showed interest. And you don't want to say, 
I didn't feel that kind of chemistry. Guys always give me feedback that chemistry feels more like a dig, and they also feel like, well, you didn't give it enough time to find out if there could be chemistry. Yeah. If you say, I didn't feel, I don't feel that kind of connection, then there's less for them to argue about. It's not so abrasive. Yep. It's just, I don't feel that kind of connection. There's a multiple reasons why. Subjective, right? That's great. Yeah. And so they don't take offense. Or just say, I, based on your birth date, <laughs> I don't feel this is appropriate. <laughs> You creepy oh, my old dad coot. would probably punch you in the face if you came around. You <laughs> I know, know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I love that. Um, I think that's a great line. And, and it's yeah. not just a line. It's, I mean, it, this is smarter than just me never calling or you right. asking me 10 more times and I've got to get the clue you don't feel it. Right. Well, and women, if you don't have it memorized what you're going to say, what I find women do is they drag it out forever. They come up with a dozen excuses, they give out a false number, they. You know, they dodge his phone calls, they fail to return his phone calls, they make a date with him, and then they cancel at the last minute. You know, this needs to be something you have memorized and you're prepared to use when the occasion happens so that then you don't feel like you have to come up with an excuse. If you come up with an excuse for why you're saying no, you're dragging it out. Yeah. Um, it's just so much more effective if you can say it in these, this brief statement and it's done for him, and it's done for you. And you did it in a warm way. If women can do it in a warm way with the kind of tone that I demonstrated, they'll do it. They'll say no because they feel more confident in being able to do it and that it's not so offensive. And guess what? Guys get over it. It does not take most men very long to get over a rejection. We're fairly efficient. Not you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, it might sting for a few moments, but he's... he's He's a big boy. He's well, yeah. To, you know, do other Let's not waste another dinner on yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times, if he's a really confident guy, he'll just be impressed that you were so warm and straightforward yeah. and direct. Yeah. And he'll appreciate that. And, and you both will end the contact in a very mutually respectful Love it. Um, understanding. Madison has so another now, question. Let, let me oh, just yeah. let her just quickly ask this. Okay. So I my really quick question is something that you mentioned before the break um, was by like sharing with men that invest in you. How can yeah. you tell if they are, are investing in you? Because I've had several people, you know, they always say, oh, you know, don't like, but then it's kind of the break between like, okay, you know, like investing money, but that's not necessarily everything. You know, that doesn't yeah, show a lot, but time it, or what? It does. So men value what they put their money on. And okay. so what men and women sacrifice in the dating process is different because of the psychology of both men and women. Men are really looking more for that emotional investment. They're looking for women who smile at them and touch them and, and say positive things about them and show appreciation and let them be needed. And men are really looking for emotional investment from women. When a woman works harder than a guy in making contact, calls them all the time, texts them all the time, pays for dates, um, you know, gives out sexual um, conversations and, and seems easy in that regard, he loses interest. That does not make him more interested. He needs a challenge. He needs a pursuit. So what a woman needs to sacrifice is just really her warmth and her femininity and, and positiveness and appreciation. But a man needs to sacrifice. So secret number two to the male psychology is that men love through sacrifice. A man needs to sacrifice. The more deeply he sacrifices, the more deeply he loves. And it mm. really is the physical sacrifices that make a man um, value and appreciate something more. And so it's it's a physical sacrifice of coming over and starting a conversation. For 80% yeah. of men, starting a conversation is actually a sacrifice. It's uncomfortable. There's the risk of rejection. It's the physical sacrifice of asking for your number. It's that sacrifice of making the first phone call. Again, 80% of men struggle and stress about the first phone call. It's the fact that he calls you instead of just texts you all the time. A guy who texts you to ask you on a date is not sacrificing as much as a guy who's willing 
to have a 15 or 20 minute conversation just because he wants to try to get a date with you later that week, you know, and some guys maintaining a conversation is stressful because they don't know what to talk about, but that's a sacrifice for them. So they and, call and, you and they put that time in. And you're saying that's, and so if ladies, so as we kind of just reverse the roles here, if ladies don't give them the chance to sacrifice because they're, they're always doing all the work, they're, they're not going to mm-hmm. enroll him. Yeah. And women, you really need to remember this, because if you deny him the opportunity to sacrifice, you're denying him the opportunity to love you as much as he would have loved you if he had sacrificed for you. And so the more we cross into that line and we make things easy for men, the less challenging, the less interesting, the less rewarding the experience is. He needs those sacrifices for him to value you and for him to feel like this is really what he wants. The guy gets it passively and easily. It's like a car. You know, it could be a Ferrari, but he got it so passively and easily. He isn't going to take care of that nearly as much as if he had to work for it and Mm. earn it. I love that. And so when we're looking at the five reasons why men back off, one of those is because um, you just seem too nice, too accommodating. You seem too into him. Um, Number two is you chase him, you know, and by chasing him and calling him all the time and texting him all the time and, and... asking him when you're going to see him, he hasn't even had a chance to decide he wanted to chase you. Yeah. You're chasing him. The hunters become the hunted. And a, a lot of times it's going to add to what I call the three to six week drop-off curve. Most relationships don't make it past the first three to six weeks. And some of it's because your techniques are off. The women's approach to dating increases the risk of them being rejected. Oh, I and love this. him does that. Chasing That's really that. interesting. I love this. Okay, Elisa, we're going to take a break and you're going to come back. Can you stick around with us? Yes, you bet. We're going to come to, we're going to talk more because I want to get through all the five reasons for the ladies why the men are backing off and let you finish the other three or so. Um, and then we're going to just, I think we're going to have a round table with a bunch of questions from our crew here that mostly are single. <laughs> Good. It's going to be awesome. Elisa Snell, you can find her at itchyourtechnique.com. She's a dating coach and just expert at relationships, wonderful person. Uh, we'll be back picking her brain right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Today's Matt Townsend episode. So Alyssa just talked to Matt about the expectations of each gender in a relationship and that men are looking for an emotional connection in a relationship. They like the femininity and the warmth of women and often they back away when women start chasing them or take away their opportunity to sacrifice for that woman too early on in the relationship. So to finish off the interview, this is what you've all been waiting for. Alyssa teaches five reasons why men back away from women, and she tells specific reasons for why you're being rejected and how you can fix it. Okay, here's 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 a line that I learned, okay? Now, again, I've been married for a while, and so I'm not really up on the dating thing. But this is a line that I know used to work, is you say, um, are, you, are you Jamaican? And they're like, what? And, and then they, they'll say, no. And I'm, then I say, because Jamaican me crazy. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, no. <laughs> you think that's creepy, don't you? <laughs> not what I recommend. Well, is here's it? the thing. Guys look all the time for 
funny one-liners that they can use, and I oh, understand why they do it. It's hot because they want to seem clever. They want to seem interesting. They they want to they want they they want to start a conversation no. and they don't know how to do it. Elisa, it's because the, the ladies love it. <laughs> do you not know that the ladies? The ladies feel sympathy, and so they smile <laughs> oh, and laugh. Pretty, That's <laughs> and what everyone here is just giving me sympathy laugh. <laughs> Madison, what do you think? Madison, how loves do you it. feel when guys use those kind of lines? Um. I think it's kind of dumb, personally. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, because it's like, oh, you can't really find a real compliment, or I just think it's, like, juvenile. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever. There's that one, if I told you you had a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? You know what I mean? That's a good one, too. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, dirty old men do that one. You know, it's just just uncomfortable. So I try to teach techniques that will work with 80% of the people 80% of the time, and Mm. the best techniques that make men look confident, that it makes them look normal, um, are the techniques where you just start a conversation based off of the situation you're in. You could even ask a question like, you look really familiar, familiar to me. I think I might have gone to high school with you. What, you know, may I ask what high school did you go to? Oh, by the way, my name is, you know, and then yeah. ask confidently, ask the other person's name. It's nice to meet you. You know, look for body language, see if she leans in, see if she asks a question, how does she respond? So just really kind of very casual conversations make a man look like he's not trying too hard. It just makes him look like he's starting a conversation. Because of that, a woman feels like she can lean forward. When a guy comes on too strong, we lean back again. Mm. Um, Also, any comment that you're going to make that could confuse her, chances are you're not so charismatic, you're not so smooth at it that you're going to impress her. If you confuse her, that's going to make her feel less safe and secure. The number one need of a woman is to feel safe and secure, and guys have to nail that when they first introduce themselves or approach a woman because that's the biggest reason why a woman will reject a man is because she did not feel safe and secure or comfortable in the contact. See how complicated um, that is, though. See, that's so much more complicated. All, all a woman would have to say to a man is, hmm? do you want a Cinnabon? What's that? Like a, cinna- like a cinnamon... Cinnabon. Cinnabon? Cinnabon? It's a cinnamon roll. It's and a Cinnabon. It's a, a, company. a, it's a company. So it's called Cinnabon. But see, if somebody says, hey, Matt, would you like some cookies? Then I'd uh-huh. immediately be into her. Yeah. But the same thing could apply for a guy, too. He opens the door. Hey, can I get that door for you? So it's yeah, the everyday conversations. You know, someone's coughing. Oh, you know what? You look like you could use a glass of water. Let me go get that for you. Mm. You know, so really it's these safe introductions. It's these safe conversations that are the best. I had a client who he sat for like 25 minutes while he was getting his tires on his vehicle and the, the receptionist there was cute. He thought for 25 minutes <laughs> about how he could start a conversation with her. And he finally left because, you know, the situation had passed. I'm like, oh, my goodness, just ask her about tires, you know. Yeah. Ask her about how long she's worked here. Does she like working there? Just start with a conversation yep. that fits the situation. And he started doing that. And he's like, oh, my gosh, approaching women is not nearly as hard as it used to be because he was overthinking it. I love and it. he had more women who were responding. Well, and okay, women so have problems, too, right? I mean, men have problems, but women also can make mistakes like you were talking about, just not like being too nice, too accommodating. Yeah. What are some more? Yeah, well, women worry. women worry about coming on too strong. And so they oftentimes, I would say 80% of women... Instead of coming on too strong and looking like they're too interested in the guy, they do the reverse, which is that they play it too cool, too casual, and they act like a pal instead of a gal. And that's secret number three. So I'm going to review really quickly five reasons men back off. Number one, she seems too nice, too accommodating, too into him too quickly, and so there's no challenge and and becomes boring. Um, Number two, 
she chases him. She, you know, she's pursuing him. She's calling him all the time. She's texting him. She's, she's playing the chaser instead of the chase. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's much more fun for a hunter to be the hunter than the hunted. <laughs> um, number three is she fails to make a meaningful connection. Her body language is flat. Her language is flat. Her communication is flat. She's so afraid of looking like she's, she's too into him that she just is really flat with everything. And there are a lot of guys who will go on a date, two or three dates with a girl because she's really cute and they want to get to know her, but they come home on that second or third date and they're like, I can't read her at all. Yeah. And they stop calling. And a lot of times those women liked the guy, but they were so afraid to touch him, to smile at him, to give him compliments, to say, oh, that was so impressive. I loved what you planned for the day. You were a really great guy. You know, I would love to do this again. They used too much of a watered-down words, like, it would be nice to see you again, instead of, I would love to see you again. Oh, you see, know? that's so, use so more, true. Yeah, use more warmth, use more femininity, you know, act like you like yourself, because a woman who can use more verbal expression, acts more confident, looks more confident, makes him feel great. So, you know, and then the fourth reason is she acts like a pal instead of a gal, so she goes on the date, and she's, she's dressed like she would be going... You know, she was just going to the store instead of putting, you know, putting on something that's a little bit more feminine and putting that time and energy into looking more like a woman instead of just like a neighbor or a friend or a colleague. Yeah. You know, we need to make men, when we're on a date with them, we need to make men feel like they're with a woman. And we're acting like a woman, and that makes him feel like a man. And when you act like the pal, it's a flat experience for him. Men like femininity. Men like... You know, what is feminine, and that's your tone of voice and your touch and your warmth, but it's also your curves and your smile and, and you know, tilting your head and all of those little things that just are intriguing and alluring about a woman. And, you know, I have women who, they've been so, you know, kind of defeminized because they feel like that shows weakness, yeah. but they don't realize that when they tilt the head and they show a little bit more warmth and a little bit more tenderness, that is saying to the guy, I have faith and trust in you that you can handle this soft side of me. I think it was, and, I think it was the invention of sweatpants and sweat suits. <laughs> and ponytails. And ponytails. I mean, and yeah, we're going to get that when we get married. We don't need it when we're dating. Yeah. And, you know, guys want to be able to go and have fun with that girl. Yeah. And they want to feel like she can throw her hair in a ponytail. But when that is your everyday do, yeah, like, you know, then it's You got it's anything not, else there? not exciting. <laughs> oh, the fifth one, the fifth one is... Um, if you make out or act sexual in the first six weeks of dating, I mean, I'm not recommending it at any time. Yeah. I have rules for avoiding sexual contact, but you can absolutely be guaranteed you're going to hit the first three to six weeks. That three to six oh, weeks it's, it's kind of an automatic fail if you move to physical too early. Yeah, yeah, and all the mystery's gone, and then there might be some shame and discomfort, and it just, Interesting. It's, it's a surefire way to get rejected. It's also it's a surefire way to get a second date, but it's a surefire way to destroy it quickly. Yeah. Well, and you know, even if you get the second date, look at the quality of the second yeah, date. No, Are you right. guys going to be going back to his house right, and no. just sitting there and watching a movie? Or is he going to be taking you on the town and showing everybody how proud he is of you, that he's on a date with you and paying for a meal and really investing in you? Making out is giving the best of you to someone who's not investing in you. And it's really not giving the best of you, but it's certainly giving you, giving the more vulnerable parts of you mm-hmm. to somebody who's not investing in you. And it's just, it's a terrible technique. Believe that he's a good man and he genuinely cares about you and wants to get to know you and just show simple affection. Don't make out. Don't, yeah. don't you know, sell yourself so short. And don't sell him that short because he, he will invest in you. He and don't confuse it. It seems like that ends up confusing it, too. And, I mean, it ends up, I don't know, it's, it's almost like you just ripped the whole basement out of the house and everything's going to fall in on it. 
It just yeah. doesn't. It's not going to long. I mean, it's so funny because there's a million people out there listening thinking, oh, wow. Yeah, but that's really what it's about. But reality, well, it just it, you can't move it there so quickly. Yeah. Well, the thing is, sexual power is a power that turns a man inward to himself. And it makes him think more of himself and his desires and his lust. And in return, he does not like her as much. He doesn't like himself as much. He doesn't like her as much. Feminine power, which is what I described earlier, is a power that makes a man look beyond himself to others. He loves that, and he loves her more because of it, too. And when we can use that feminine power, our soft words and our gentle touch and our faith and trust in him and and our kindness and our appreciation, he will do more and more and more for us. And in the process, he'll become even more convinced that he loves being with us. Yeah. We don't have to use sexual power. I love it. I I love that that you make it very clear. It's yeah. just, and then I guess the hard part is, and it, I wonder. I'm, in fact, I want to go to some of the singles here in my studio and see what their what questions they have for you because it really is. Um, it seems simple yet complex, but then you, it's also just keep it simple. Let's uh, yeah. talk, Rob. Do you have a comment or a question? This there? sounds really complex because, like, when you're sitting there, that we got to tilt our heads and, and not, but the ladies. Rob's like trying to now figure out his head tilt. So I need to lean. No, I need to lean. Yeah, lean on my head. Do not tilt your head, man. Lean back and look yeah, strong. But I got to lean yeah, back at a forty-five back. degree angle any time I talk to a girl. That's going to look weird. <laughs> well, maybe maybe more like a seventy-five degree angle, not a forty-five. It's it's just being cool and casual yeah. instead of leaned forward and and looking like you're trying too hard. And the, the neat thing about leaning back is you breathe easier. Um, you just feel more calm, and your voice won't quiver as much. The guys who are trying too hard, it shows because they're usually always in that lean-forward position, and they just show more vulnerability in the process. Mm. I love that advice. I lean back when I do my radio show. Right now, I'm yeah. in a lounge chair. Yeah. I am And so you enjoy the experience more, and you slow down, and people hear that you're relaxed, and because you're relaxed, they feel relaxed. And when somebody feels that you're pressed and you're stressed, then it's, it's naturally uncomfortable to want to be there for very long. Yeah, it's too intense. you got to relax. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. Um, oh, other questions. Madison, do you have anything for the guru? Elisa? I do. So um, with your fifth rule for, you know, keeping the best to you, like six months, that um, six months, um, six weeks, that's like two months. So just nothing for two well, I mean, no, you can kiss. I don't have a problem with people kissing. I, what I personally believe is it's a simple, short kiss. It can be a passionate kiss. It can be a sweet kiss. It can be, you know, a short and, and playful kiss. It can be all sorts of kisses. What I teach is don't kiss for more than two to five minutes at a stretch and don't kiss lying down. That's what lends its way to lust. Um, keep it simple. Keep it short. Keep it fun. Keep it playful. Nobody has any regrets afterwards. Nobody has any doubt about whether or not you're interested and you're invested. Um, but they want more of that. I mean, if I kiss a guy goodnight and it's the last five minutes of the night and I lean in and I give him a sweet kiss and then I smile like, I better go, you know, and I, I look at him and I walk away, is he going to want more of me or less of me? Versus we've been making out for two hours and it's now three in the morning and he's been trying to figure out how to get away for the last hour because he's got to get up for work in the morning. You know, okay. it's it's a totally different experience when I leave him wanting more, and he there's no regrets, and he's just had fun, and he sees that I'm invested. I love that. Okay, that makes more sense. Well, and part of that is so the the six week thing she's saying is the you know the average these relationships don't last 
longer than six weeks if yeah. you don't build a foundation that's strong enough. And that was one of the right. foundations, right? Well, and people lose interest for a lot of different reasons. And it might not have anything to do with you. It might be that they met someone else or they go through a little bit of a depression or they just hit a bad you know, time in their life and they have to focus on other things. There are a lot of reasons why people don't lose, why people lose interest. So why would I stick, why would I put so much on the line in the first six weeks when there's a better chance they're not going to still be around after six right. weeks? Wait and see if they're still hanging in there. They're still investing. They're still participating in the process. Then I'm going to say, okay, now I'll take a few more risks because I can see that they're really genuinely interested mm-hmm. in me. If they're not genuinely interested in me, they're not going to be around um, beyond six weeks. Then you can, then you can, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. How do you risk more if we've already gone so far? Yeah. It's harder and yeah. harder to risk. And so it's, I mean, then you have to get married, get engaged, well, and move in, buy a weird. car. Mm-hmm. Women get weird after sexual contact too. And making out, we, we're a lot more needy. We're a lot more insecure. We ask a lot more to find the relationship conversations. Oh, because yeah. We want to feel like making out actually means something. So in the first six weeks, he's barely discovered that he can have fun with me and we're already having weirdness. Yeah. And so he's yeah. a lot more likely to bolt versus if we spent six weeks keeping it fun and easy. And I want you to know, I don't personally believe that making out is a good idea six months into a relationship because, you know, if we're, there's just not a purpose for it. Simple, sweet, genuine, playful kisses and affection that don't lead to these huge long makeouts that are risking sexual contact and things like that. That's enough for, for people to, to enjoy the process. They don't yeah. need makeouts. Hey, as and, we're, um, uh, Elisa, as we wrap it up, tell me, what, what's, what's the one thing that is kind of the best guiding principle for, I guess, both men and women as they're, you know, connecting, trying to meet and putting it out there, risking? It really needs to be about making the other person feel great. And so that's part of the reason why I teach the 17 secrets to the male and female psychology. You need to understand what the other person needs the way they need it. And that's very different than the way you need it. You can see there's vast differences between what I teach the men and what I teach the women. And if you know how to make the other person feel great, you can have meaningful connections. And if you don't know how to make the other person feel great, you're going to keep floundering over and over and over again. Because at the end of the day, it's how you make me feel that makes me come back for more. Yeah. And if I know that you're into me and you love me and you care for me, I'm going to keep coming back. Elisa Snell, the dating coach. You can uh, get all of her information at www.itsyourtechnique.com. Alisa, thanks so much. Seriously insightful. Madison, did you learn? Oh, yeah. Learned a lot. Okay. A, don't date old people. B, (laughs) when you do date people your age, focus on them. Yep. Good stuff. Thanks so much, Alisa. And you bet. And uh, we'll have you on again, I'm sure, to pick your brain and learn and learn and learn. You listen to The Matt Townsend Show. Hopefully, we're improving your life and uh, hopefully getting you closer to getting a wife. Right here on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Well, I think she hit the nail on the head. I'm no expert, and I just got in the clearing from the dating world. But looking back, I can relate to pretty much everything that she said. And I took furious notes because now I'm that nosy married friend who feels an obligation to help all of my peers cultivate love. So thanks, Alyssa. I love how she said, Feminine power draws men to look outside of themselves, while seductive power makes them draw inwards and think selfishly. Well, I hope you learned something from this interview, and I hope your dating life improves after this. And just remember, it's not you, 
it's your technique. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow with more Matt Townsend.